As we stand in this place today to honor the word of the Lord, I invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Luke chapter 8. Our text today begins in verse 40. Luke chapter 8, beginning in verse 40. Let's hear the word of the Lord together. So it was when Jesus returned that the multitude welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And behold, there was a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. But as he went, the multitude thronged him. Now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years, who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any, came from behind and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, uh, Master, the multitude throng and press you, and you say, Who touched me? But Jesus said, Somebody touched me, for I perceive power going out from me. Now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her, Daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Let's pray. Our good and our holy God, we thank you for your word. And we pray, God, that by your Holy Spirit, you would, you would take your word and create a word for us today, a word for the living of this hour, for this week, for this moment. Lord, we need to hear your word afresh down in our bones. And so, God, we come. We come as a family of faith today. We come asking you to give us eyes to see and ears to hear. We ask you, Lord, to give us tender hearts that would receive your word like a seed planted in rich, fertile soil. God, we pray that you would give us feet that would walk quickly to do your will. That you would make our frame strong, that our work in this world would be like your very own. And God, we pray that a word of life and hope would be found on our tongues. God, this is our prayer in the beautiful and the holy and the matchless name of Jesus. We pray in his name, saying together, amen and amen. Please be seated. If you brought one of those old-fashioned red-letter editions of the Bible with you today, let me see your hands. Who am I dealing with today? Who am I playing with? All right. We've got some red letter edition folks in the crowd. If you have one of those, as we were reading through this story, you would have seen that Jesus' speaking parts are, are in three verses, 45, 46, and 48. Uh, right out there in red, and here are Jesus' lines. His first line was, who touched me? And then after Peter went like, uh, sir? He said, someone touched me. Who was it? Because I, I felt power go from me. So, someone touched me. 
someone pressed through this crowd. So, someone, someone touched me by faith. There was something different about that touch. They weren't just bumping into me. Somebody touched me. Who was it? And when the woman identified herself, this is last, Jesus' last words, his last speaking words in this portion of the story, he said, daughter. He gave her that kinship title. He, he said, daughter, be comforted, be of good cheer. And then he said the exact same thing he said in 750, which was our text from last week. The, the final line in our, in our message from last week. I mean, if you, just took, if you just took copy and paste, you could just cut and copy and paste that verse into this section. Your faith has healed you. Your faith has saved you. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Two weeks in a row, two women... Same sentence on the tongue of Jesus. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. We're looking for examples in Luke's gospel of what it means to follow Jesus. We're, we're looking for clues, for, for little breadcrumbs along the trail, uh, for hints as to what it means, whispers from a future world, whispers for what it means to follow Jesus. And we have them in this story. In this story, we have a beautiful, beautiful picture of a person who was living by faith. Not faith in faith, not faith in herself, but faith in Jesus. And it happened in the midst of the busy, crowded, noisy world that all of us live in. The world of good days and bad days and struggles and victories in the midst of the world and in the open public in the midst of a crowd. There are a lot of people in this story, and one is our example. And to me, as I was thinking about this story this week, as I was reading it again, and as I was, I was pondering it and praying over it, just a question just jumped out at me, and I think it's a good question for all of us. As we ask ourselves what it means to follow Christ, here's a question. Have you just bumped into Jesus? Or have you touched him by faith? Because there's a radical difference. And I think many people in this, this world, many people, at least in our context, uh, a very Bible Belt, Texas context, many people that we know fall away quickly from the faith because somewhere back in the back there, they just sort of bumped into Jesus then touch him by faith. And this story is about the power of the touch of faith, the transforming power of the touch of faith and how it's far richer than just bumping into Jesus. So today, if you're a, a Jesus bump into her, we hope to put that to rest as you reach and touch him by faith. And for those of you who have, this is a day of celebration and this is a day where it's Easter again. And this is a day of fresh gratitude and new resolve to share the reason for the hope that's in you. As we talk about the transforming power of the touch of faith. 
And from this story, I think there's two marks. I think this transforming touch of faith is marked by two things. I think it's marked by a passionate pursuit. It's marked by pursuit, and it's marked by profession. And let's look at those two in, in turn. Uh, the transforming touch of faith is marked by passionate pursuit. I think it's important for us to put this little part of the story in its broader context. When we left off Luke's gospel last week, Jesus looked at that woman at that dinner party, and, and he said, go in peace your faith has saved you. And then immediately we turn to chapter 8. And the first three verses in chapter 8 are about women who had been touched by the grace of Christ. Their lives had been transformed by the mercy of Jesus. They'd been delivered from evil. They had been healed from disease. They had been brought into new identity. They began to follow him by faith. They became his disciples. And out of their means, out of their resources, they began to fund Jesus' ministry. You ever had practical questions about Jesus' life, or has it all been felt board stuff for you your whole life? Have you ever wondered how he paid for dinner? rented places. Do you ever, you ever wonder how, what, what the budget was like for the ministry of the Messiah? He had to have funding sources, and the funding sources that were spelled out in chapter 8, verses 1 to 3, are a group of women who had been touched by his mercy and started to follow by faith. And then from there, you have in 4 to 18, one of his longer parables, and it's a fantastic parable. Jesus starts teaching. And it's the parable of the sower, about the, the seed of the Word of God being cast into the world and falling on different kinds of soil. And in and, and some soil, uh, it grew, the seed grew and began to flourish. And it, that was the good soil. But in other types of soil, the seed was frustrated. The seed blew away. The seed was stolen by ravens. Even here, Jesus is making, uh, he's making categories. Even here, you start to get the hint that some people bump into him and others touch him by faith. And he tells a story. And then in 8, 19 to 21, Jesus' mother and his siblings come and, and they say, listen, Jesus, your family's out there. I want to say, your, your, your mama's out there, Jesus. And Jesus uses this as, a, as an opportunity to teach about the expanding nature of God's family. His family wasn't simply going to be people who were kin to him by blood. In fact, that wasn't even a prerequisite to be in his family. In fact, that even guarantee you were in it. Jesus says, let me tell you who my family is. Let me tell you my brother and my mother. They are the people who hear the word of God and do it. And surely his family would become people who were, who were those kind of family to him. Mary was at Pentecost. We have Jude and we have James in the Bible. And Jesus teaches from the very beginning that to be in his family, to be in his kinship, is to be in it by faith, by hearing and believing the word of the kingdom. Then in 22 to 25, the winds and the waves obey Jesus as Luke begins to teach us 
that nature must bow at the feet of the Christ. And then 26 to 39, evil must bow a knee too as demons are cast out of those who had been tormented. And then he goes back for one more tour of Galilee. And when he comes to town, they're waiting on him. It's kind of like they have the banners out. I remember when we moved to Waco, the youth group went and got a big piece of butcher paper and they wrapped it around the garage and they said, Welcome to Waco. Jesus got better treatment than that. He got all of them there waiting on him when he got there and they were shouting and they were hollering and they were hooting and they were going on. And here is Jesus coming back to town and they were there to greet him. Word had spread about all the things he'd been doing. and he's at, the, he's at a pinnacle of popularity, and they're coming to see Jesus. And in the midst of this, a man comes named Jairus. Now, Jairus is a religious leader in that community. He's a leader of the synagogue. And if you remember the last scene where we left off last week, Jesus was with the powers that be. He, he was with the, with the Pharisee crowd. He was at Simon's house. And Simon was checking him out. And Jesus embodied the kingdom in their presence by welcoming into the kingdom that woman they called the sinner. He told her, your faith has saved you. Live in peace. Live in peace. Maybe, maybe Jairus was on that guest list. Maybe he'd heard about this, but he had heard of Jesus. And unlike Simon, he was desperate. He was poor of spirit. Because Simon couldn't help him with his problem. And he couldn't help himself and this precious girl that he loved. The precious girl that he loved. Drove him to Jesus. And so he went home and he said, Would you come to my house? My little girl is sick. She's really sick. And Jesus, I don't know how he said it, but he said, Yeah, I'll go. And he went. And man, if everybody didn't go with him, <laughs> and it said they thronged him, a sort of elegant way of saying they were crushing him. There were people all around. They were everywhere. They were everywhere. And in the midst of that, in the midst of that, in the midst of Jesus going to take care of the needs of an important person, a person who was named, a person who was titled, a person everybody looked up to and knew. A woman with no name. A woman with a condition that would render her ceremonially unclean perpetually. A woman with no resources and no options left pursued Christ with a passion. And she nudged and pulled and elbowed her way until she could touch him. And touch him, she did. She didn't bump into him. She touched him. In the middle of the crowd, she touched him. 
See, a lot of people love a crowd because it allows you to live with a large degree of anonymity. Years ago, I read Harvey Cox's Secular City and the subsequent books. I don't remember much about what Harvey Cox said in that, but I remember this, and I've never gone back to reread them. Probably won't. But I do remember this. He said a lot of people moved to cities so that they could be alone. And I thought that's crazy, really and truly. And then I started thinking about life. And I started thinking about what it's like to be at an intersection in Meridian, Mississippi. You could sit at an intersection for 45 minutes in Meridian, Mississippi if you came to that intersection remotely close to the same time another car did. Because you didn't, nobody wanted to hurt anybody. You just get there, you tee off with each other, and you, you roll down the window. No, you go. No, you go. No, you go. No, you go. You do this seven, eight, ten times. No, you go. No, you go. Till finally one braves it and tries to go, and the other one does too, and you almost have a wreck in the middle of the intersection. So much damage, property damage done by, like, you know, clinically niceness or something. And when you do that in a small town, because you got to live in a certain way in a small town, because you are known, you're known. First time I walked the streets in New York City, there was none of that. <laughs> you just fly, pshoom, 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 pshoom. and I touched more people. Really, I bumped into a lot of them, and I thank God none of them touched me, because that'd have been something weird. And in the midst of that pile of anonymity, in that place where you can be the captain of your own ship, in that place where what goes on you're not really sure because it's just like a blob of humanity, she touched it. I remember the early days of football at Baylor for my family. My kids were both small enough I could put them in my arms and carry them both at once. I can't do that anymore. But I used to could. One of my favorite pictures is just the back of my head and their little faces right here. And we'd go down the concourse at Floyd Casey Stadium, and I held them in the grip of death because I knew if they got lost in that crowd, they were lost in that crowd. A lot of people are in a crowd with Jesus bumping into him. But she pursued him. And by faith she touched him. And this is what is the measure of faith according to the word of God. Listen to this verse from Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He who comes to God. This is the faith that pleases God. This is the, the faith that excited Jesus. The faith that says he is. Our faith has content that God is. I, we, we, we declared today the things we believe. He is. And in our heart of hearts, that this one that is, is also good. 
that he is a rewarder of those that pursue him, that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We taught our kids to pray, God is great and God is good, let us thank him. And that was some of the greatest theology that we ever taught. The faith that is a transforming touch kind of faith is a faith that pursues God, that seeks him, believing that he is and that he is a rewarder. Now, that does not mean every desire of our heart is given to us in the moments of our existence. I wish I had all the answers for that. I do not. I have prayed and earnestly prayed, and I've seen people rise up from a place of affliction, and you have too. I have prayed and earnestly prayed and gone to grieve at the grave, and so have you. There is so much I do not understand, but this I do, that God is, and He is good, and He is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek Him. And from the very earliest days, as men and women began to walk with God, the content of the reward was at the beginning and is in this very hour, God himself. When God called out Abram, he would say to him things like this in chapter 15, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, Do not be afraid Abram, for I am your shield, your exceeding great reward. I don't know every single way the reward of God is manifest, but I always know what the reward is. The reward is God. And sometimes he helps us to soar on the wings of the morning. And sometimes he gets down in the mud with us and keeps us from succumbing. And one day we will drink deeply from the fountains of his promise and all will be well. All manner of things shall be well because he is and he is good. And that's not appropriated in your life by casually bumping into him. That becomes real in your life when you push through the noise and you touch him. You see, she went through her life not touching anybody. Because when she did, they became unclean. When she touched Jesus, the very virtue of God flowed into her life. When we were kids, we were worried about the cooties. Most of the world still is. But grace, the tangible transfer of grace... That's what God's up to. That's what God's up to. The transforming touch of faith is marked by pursuit. And very quickly, it's marked by profession. 
Jesus said, who touched me? I love the disciples. Oh, oh, I, God, I don't want to bring this up to you, Jesus, but like, like hundreds of people are touching you. It's kind of like, duh. She's like, no, 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 no. Who touched me? Do you remember back in chapter 7, he knew the thoughts of Simon. Let, let, me, let me break this down for you. Jesus knew who touched him. When God asks you a question, it is not because God is sufficient or insufficient, rather, when it comes to answers. We think of God as having all the answers, and I suppose he does, but here's the thing. God's got all the questions, too. And sometimes God comes at us with questions so that we'll look deep in our heart. He said, no, 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 no. Someone touched me. Who was it? That was for her, and that was for them. That's because this wasn't going to go away quietly. She had choices to make. She could have slipped off and been gone. And because it was a crowd of people who had bumped into Jesus, she could have gone away as just another one that had bumped into Jesus, healed for the moment, only to later die, get old, pass from this world, live the rest of her life from that moment to the next, never acknowledging this Messiah. She had a choice to make. And courageously she made it. She said, it was me. They all looked around at her. Yeah, that's the one now. He got to go away. He's, in, he's dirty now. He's unclean now. We know her. It was me, Jesus. Uh, this, I know this is probably going to cause a lot of problems for you. But it was me. And she told what happened, what happened in her life. And she didn't know how he was going to respond. She had never read the Gospel of Luke. She was living it. <laughs> and he said, oh, daughter. Remember that stuff about the kinship and being in the family? Remember that, remember that stuff? It's those who hear the Word of God and do it. He said, oh, daughter be comforted your faith has made you well go in peace it's a great story I'm so glad it's true and here's the question you just bumped into him somewhere along the line you just sort of became affiliated with the crowd of Jesus, the Jesus crowd? Or do you have faith in Christ? Do you, have you touched him by faith? Romans 10, 9 says, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Do you believe the content of this, that Christ Jesus is Lord? Do you believe it in your mind? Do you believe it in your heart? And have you confessed it with your mouth? 
Have you made it known to the world that you're all in with Jesus? That you're his follower. Today we're going to stand and we're going to sing a hymn of decision. As we do every single week. An anthem of commitment. I invite you to go ahead and stand. Today I want you to think about this. I want you to ask yourself in your heart of hearts, do I follow Christ? Have I trusted him to be my Lord and Savior is he mine and I am his? Or just somewhere along the line have I bumped into him and I kept hanging out? Do you believe in your heart of hearts that he died, that he was raised to life again so that you could live with him eternally and that you could live with him through the moments of the day? Is he your savior? He can be. He can be today. Would you literally push through a crowd down wide aisles today as we sing and say, I want Jesus to be my Savior? Would you let this pastor from this church be a point of contact for your faith to say, I want to follow Christ? That may be you today. You may be at a place where you feel like God has called you to be part of this church, to worship here and serve here. If that's what God is calling you to, would you come today as an act of faith? You may simply have a need in your life and you need some brother or sister, you need a church to stand with you in prayer. If that's you, you can come today. If today in the middle of this crowd, you just need to whisper to God afresh, God, thank you. Thank you for doing for me what I could not do for myself. Fill me with your spirit that I may live winsomely this week for you. Please do that as you sing. Every single one of us is a candidate for something. And we all have a step of faith to make. Would you make it as we sing? Andy?